Thank you. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit, for the heart of your faithful and kindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit, and they shall be created. Let us pray. O God, that instruct the heart of your faithful by lay the Holy Spirit. Grant us by the same Spirit may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. O Lady Fatima, St. Joseph, St. Ignatius, all God's angels and saints, in the name of the Father and the Son. Good evening. Hello, <laughs> of all of the uh, approved uh, private apparitions that have been approved by the Catholic Church, three of my favorite would be Our Lady Guadalupe, Our Lady of Lourdes, but probably the one that's impressed me most is Our Lady Fatima. So, I've written a, a longer catechetical um, chapter on that topic. So, uh, we, we may not get finished today, so we'll follow up next week. I want to go through this very slowly, and it's related, once again, to the topic of chastity, because your young people will, make, will be making that uh, that promise uh, on March 19th, which is the feast day of St. Joseph. But uh, in all honesty, when we talk about chastity, it's not simply for teenagers, it's for us too. All of us are called to live out this very challenging virtue, very challenging. Such that Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount that we had two Sundays ago, said, Blessed are the pure of heart, for they will see God. So if we want to see God in this life, as well as in the life to come, we have to live out this virtue. And the Catechism of the Catholic Church, I haven't quoted that yet, I probably will next week, next week says that chastity is a daily self-mastery. This is the Catechism of the Catholic Church. So it's a daily self-mastery that we have to arrive at all of our lives until we contemplate the beatific vision of Christ in heaven. So it's, it's, uh, it's a struggle that all of us have to undertake, but um, with God's grace, all is possible. God can move the mountains. We are weak, but God is strong. Amen? Amen. We are weak, but God is, uh, is very strong. So uh, I like to, what I'd like to do, I'd like to read and probably stop and comment on... on um, and the paragraphs, and I invite you to write in the margin some of the, some of the comments that I'll make. Then afterward, I've got uh, 25 fill-ins. So uh, I just, I love Our Lady Fatima. For me, it's one of the best catechetical. Invite your children to get to know Our Lady Fatima and the message and watch some movies, documentaries. There's a lot out there. And... Um, Probably most of you know that in 1981, John Paul II was actually shot on May 13th. I was there. I was there in Rome when that happened. Yeah. That was a uh, 
I think I was a novice back in 1981. So it was obviously we were. I was in San Vittorino, but that happened in Rome, very close to us. So that was that was on May 13th, 1981. So, and May 13th, everyone thought he was going to die, because if you know anything about the shot, it perforated his um, his stomach, and it was more than one bullet. It looked like he was going to die, but they stormed heaven, and well, that uh, that Christmas Eve. He was in jail, visiting the visiting the guy that tried to kill him. And you might even just Google in uh, 1981 attack, and then you'll probably see next a short minute YouTube that I've seen more than once, where John Paul II enters into the prison there in Rome, and there he is bent over, embracing this guy. You may have seen it, embracing this guy that tried to that tried to kill him. And then the following May 13th, John Paul II uh, traveled to Fatima, 1982, where he knelt down in front of the statue of Lady Fatima, and um, he got up and he touched the statue with his rosary, and then he got up and he placed something in the crown of uh, the Blessed Mother. You know what it was? It was the bullet that was in his stomach. The bullet that was in his stomach, and wasn't a BB, I mean, it was a big piece of metal. Father Larry said he went there and he actually saw it. Yeah, Father Larry saw it. 22 calories. So it was a really big bullet. The fact that he wasn't killed. Have any of you read The Life of John Paul II by Weigel? It's probably the best biography ever written. George Weigel wrote the biography up until the year 2000. And there's a chapter on that where John Paul II says that the evil of that bullet was great, but the power of the Blessed Mother was even greater. He says that the Blessed Mother directed the bullet away from this major artery so that he wouldn't die. So it hit his pinky. It hit his pinky and it deflected it a little bit so so that it didn't hit direct on the artery and that would have he would have died of profuse loss of blood. He lost a lot, but not enough so that he would die. Nineteen eighty one? When is he gonna die? Two thousand five. He's gonna live almost another twenty five years. Question If he were not shot by that bullet, would he would he have lived maybe a hundred years old? I think he probably would have. Because he was very healthy. He was a mountain climber. He was a swimmer. Um, you know, just very athletic. I mean, I'm just, just, it's just a conjecture. But with his health, so he, he lived another 25 years with a perforated stomach. Probably with pain. I mean, I'm just, maybe he wouldn't live to be 100, but he would have lived probably beyond. So he died, died 2005, born 1920. How's your math? Almost 85 years old. Okay, 1920, 2005, born. So he was born uh, May of, so he was almost 85. So 84 in 11 months, no? 
It's interesting, because I probably know the life of John Paul II better than most of you people know, is that John Paul II did not know the message of Our Lady of Fatima that much. Interesting. When he was recovering, he was asking for all the sources. Then he got to know it better. So it was a sign for him, if I'm saved by Our Lady of Fatima, I have to get to know her better. Not to say that he was ignorant, but he didn't know it in, in, in great detail. So I hope that as a result of this, uh, this lecture, that we will get to know Our Lady of Fatima better. And uh, help our, our children to get to know Our Lady of Fatima better. Amen? One last thing is that I have written, I, I, I've, I'm a very prolific writer, and I've written many consecrations. Uh, during the pandemic, I, read, I wrote a consecration of the family through the message of Fatima, which is in Spanish and in English. I did it only once or twice, but we're going to be doing it again. It's all focused on the sanctification of the family. Right, Mary? You were helping me? Yeah, I mean... So I've done one. One of my consecrations, I've got the book from Sophia Press, which was published, my second book in 2017. But I've done another version, another version with consecration through the message of Fatima. So family consecration through Lady Fatima. So we'll be launching that maybe after my exercises program. Let's first finish with these 600 people, then we'll start a new program, right? Yeah, we had a huge numbers. Last night, this, the, the, the parking lot was packed to the guild, and the church, we didn't enough room for the people. So thanks. let's pray that they persevere. Ready? Okay, Our Lady Fatima's important message. So I'd like to read and comment. A lady appeared in Fatima, Portugal in 1917. And she revealed important messages to the children and to the whole world. Even after 1917, she revealed other serious but extremely important messages that we should take to heart now. In fact, our eternal salvation could depend on listening attentively, heeding dutifully and obeying promptly these messages. Okay, a brief comment on that. Most of you probably know that a Lady Fatima appeared, before she appeared in 1917, the three little children had apparitions of angels, of an angel. So in 1916, these shepherd children had three recorded apparitions of the guardian angel. So 1916 was really the start of Fatima, but 1917 was the time in which Our Lady Fatima appeared to these children. And she appeared on the 13th, of May 13th all the way up until October 13th. Except August. 
You know why she didn't appear in August? Because the children were in jail. Yeah, they were in jail. The Portuguese, Portuguese officials took them and tried to force them to say that what had happened in Fatima with the lady was a lie. None of them gave in to that. They were willing to be boiled to death in a cauldron of oil, the three children. So they would merit the palm of martyrdom. He said, if you don't admit that this was just a farce, you're going to be thrown into a cauldron of boiling oil. These are three little children that can, they can barely read and write. They can't even read and write yet. What holiness. So August, she's going to appear. She'll appear uh, about a week later. But the other days, it'll be always the 13th. Is... Uh, is the number 13 a bad luck number? That's a bad luck number, right? I don't think Father Dave thinks so. If you want to get me angry, say good luck, Father Broom. <laughs> There's no such thing as luck. You hear me? There's no such thing as luck. If you rely upon luck, you're committing a sin against the first commandment. No such, there's no such thing as luck. What do we call it? Divine providence. You ever hear of divine providence? So divine providence and luck are diametrically opposed. Nothing happens without God willing it. God knows how many hairs you have on your head. Do you? Probably not. Uh-huh. <laughs> he knows. And when, it, when a hair falls from your head, he knows exactly where it falls. He knows that. So there's no such, there's no such thing as good luck and bad luck. The funny thing is, in every town in L.A., you've got these psychic readers. We've had one here for 35 years. Every, every town in L.A. has got probably two or three of these psychic readers. No? My, myself, when I see this, I think it's so stupid and ludicrous, it makes me laugh. Because it's a sign of his saints spending baka cultura, low culture. Baka cultura, low culture. But tons of people go to these. Tons of people. That person on the other side of Carson and, and Juan is not going to have that door open for 35 years if she doesn't have customers. If you go to New York City, you're going to see what we call them skyscrapers. None of you have been to New York. You go to New York City, you have to go. You have to crank your neck to be able to see the top of the buildings. It's huge. My dad worked in Manhattan for many years. 
You've heard of the Empire State Building is more than a hundred stories high. But you've got buildings that will have hotels that will go from the 12th to the 14th story. There's no 13th story. But there really is, right? Because people are afraid to sleep on the 13th story. They believe that there's going to be a bad luck, it's a bad luck omen or charm. People believe it. I wonder how many superstitions we believe in. You're taking a walk down the street, a black cat walks in front of you. Walk underneath a ladder. Ah! A window's broken. Ah! And you're carrying a four-leaf clover and a rabbit's foot in your pocket. Can I check it out? You got a horseshoe over your house? No? This is ludicrous, but many, many people have good luck charms. You know, in your house, you have to rub the stomach of Buddha before you enter in? I hope not. Like the genie in the lantern, huh? Now, there's no such thing as good luck and bad luck. But divine providence. Got it? So, Our Lady Fatima purposely, she purposely appeared on the 13th to dispel the erroneous idea that 13 is a bad number. Then there are people that are afraid that 3 o'clock is the mercy hour, but 3 a.m. is the, the hour of the devil. Whoever, whoever, whoever preached that? I've heard that. 3 a.m. is the hour of the devil. No, 3 a.m. is the day. It's time I'm sleeping. I could care less about the devil, no? Right? There's no such thing. There's no such thing as a, as a cursed hour because time comes from God, right? It's cursed time. You sanctified by by living a holy life, right? Sanctified by living a holy life. Okay, so. Three of these poignant messages relate to the sixth and ninth commandments, which is, Thou shalt not commit adultery. The sixth commandment, Thou shalt not covet your neighbor's wife. The ninth commandment. So, one of the apparitions, there is a very explicit mention as to the reality of the of hell if someone, if people do not live according to the sixth and ninth commandment. But later on, Jacinta will have subsequent messages after those original messages. And Lucia also de los Santos, when she leaves, she becomes a nun, is going to have further messages from the Blessed Mother. After she goes into the convent, Lucia de los Santos will become a nun. She'll start out in, in, in Spain with the Dorethean nuns. Then she's going to become a Carmelite nun in Coimbra, Portugal. 
where she'll be until the end of her life. The little children, Jacinta and Francisco, So let's uh, move on to the next paragraph. Also, the serious warnings of Our Lady made clear reference to one of the sacraments, the sacrament of holy matrimony. This is one of the two sacraments of service. Matrimony, matrimony is designed for the couple to be at the service of both human life and the formation and sustenance of the family. The other sacrament of service is that of holy orders or the priesthood, designed as an offering of service to the church. Okay, right next to that, uh, why don't you write in the margin? Okay, how many of you have the sacrament of holy matrimony? Looks like almost all of you. You have matrimony. Okay, that you have that sacrament. You have given. You've been given the grace when you were married to be faithful to others, to, to each other. You've also been given the grace by that to be good parents to your children. That comes from the sacrament. Now you can reject that grace. You can be lousy parents. You can be. You can be disasters. But it's not God's fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. God will give the grace, but you have to collaborate with the grace. You have to collaborate with the grace. You can, you can reject it. And God respects your freedom. But if you collaborate with the grace, you can be darn good parents, holy parents, if you collaborate with it. And hopefully you're trying to. I hope you are. <laughs> People will sometimes say to me, how can you spend three, four, five hours in the confessional? And I'll say, how can you spend four, five, six hours with teenagers in the same house? No? How can you do it? I can do it because I have holy I have holy orders. And because I have holy hours, that gives me the ability to spend long hours in the confessional, to be preaching, celebrating Mass, because all this comes from holy orders. But I don't have the grace to be able to be educating children the way you are. I mean, as a teacher, I can educate them. But the whole overall formation of the children, I don't have the grace because I'm not married. So you have the, you have the sacramental grace for marriage to be faithful to each other until death do you part, and you have the grace to educate and form your children in the fear of the Lord and the love of God. Take advantage of that grace. Use it. Use it. You have that grace. It's called the sacramental grace. 
So let's move on. Therefore, let us lay out with utmost clarity the prophetic messages and admonitions of Our Lady of Fatima. She's indeed the mother of God, the mother of the church, and she is our dear and loving mother. In fact, the two greatest desires of Mary are the following. That God be known, known, honored, and praised, obeyed and loved. That we all attain to eternal happiness in heaven. All right, now, if you love God, and hopefully you do, you're trying to, do you love God? Do you? Then you should love what God loves. Okay, can any of you any of you tell me what does God love most in the creation of this world? If you go to daily mass, you've been listening to Genesis chapter 1 for two days in a row. What God loves most in this world is the salvation of your soul. You hear me? The salvation of your soul is what God loves most. Do you love your children? Poco. Poco mucho. You love your children? Do you? Okay, what, okay, if you really love them, what, what should you desire most of your children? Claudia? Yes, if you really love your children, if you really do, you should desire the eternal salvation of their soul more than anything else. You hear me? Nothing more important than that. Nothing more important than that. And you should be on your knees every day, every day, begging the Lord for the salvation of every one of your children. There should never pass a day in your life in which you're not begging with fervor that your children will be saved. If you don't, you're you're neglecting your obligation as parents. You are. You're negligent. Now, I'm not saying once a year or every, you know, Christmas and Easter. No, every day you should be praying that every one of your children, okay, you've got five, you've got one, okay? Some of you have a big family, you've got the number six on the way, okay? You've got five, okay? You've got big families, some of you, no? You've got two daughters. You should really beg the Lord the fervor. That they would be saved. 
and do all you can as parents and some of your godparents to help these children, teenagers to get to heaven. Amen? Nothing more important than that. And that's the essential message of Fatima. Our Lady Fatima, Our Lady Fatima wants God to be praised, but God is, be, God is, is praised by the salvation of souls. Doing all you can. All you can that souls will be saved starting with your own children. That's, that's love. That's love. Many definitions of love, but that's true love. What God will ask all of us to do in one way or another is, how can you measure love? According to Faustina, love is measured by the willingness to suffer for the loved one. Are you willing to suffer for your, your loved ones? Would you like to see the most eloquent symbol? Look behind me, look at the cross. Look up at the cross. No greater love. No greater love than to suffer and die for the loved one. Have you ever suffered in your life? Not yet? It's going to come sooner or later. None of you have suffered? I have probably more than you, no? What do you do with your suffering? Probably most of us, we waste it. Probably most of us, we waste our suffering. For the love of God, don't waste your suffering. Suffering can either make your suffering can either make you better or bitter. I like language, huh? Can make make you either better or bitter. Better or bitter. Better or bitter. If you unite your suffering to Christ, you become a more holy person. If not, as they say in Spanish, that's the same vieja amargada. It was quarantines, huh? Una vieja amargada. Are you in a vieja amargada? <laughs> Hopefully not. The love and suffering will either make us a better person or a bitter person. Okay. So, next. In a word, these three warnings or admonitions serve as clear and convincing signposts to help us avoid the eternal loss of our immortal soul in the stark reality of hell. Okay, right now, you're looking at a picture. You see that picture? So let's uh, let, let's stop and, and look at that picture and, and get to know these three these three little kids. 
I say these these are among the three super giants of last century. In my humble opinion, I think that these these three children are are huge in the eyes of God. All right, the little one. You see the little one. You ever see pictures of her? She's always very serious, no? Because she knows her mission. Her name is Jacinta. Am I didn't write that in. Jacinta, her last name is, is Marto. These are not uh, little Mexican kids. These are Portuguese children. And Fatima, Fatima is, is, Port, is Portugal, not Mexico. Okay, the, okay, the one in the middle is not her sister, but that's her cousin. And her name is Lucia de los Santos. Okay, it's good to, good to, to get to know the names of the Lucia de los Santos. So she's the cousin. She's the cousin of Jacinta. Okay, the boy there, his name is Francisco Marto. You know, the, the, those are the three Fatima children, but but the three children have a different, they, they have a unique mission, but they have a different um, charismatic grace. And I'd like to explain that. All right, so Jacinta, when John Paul II, John Paul II beatified them, the homily is superb. Maybe read it with your kids. The homily is not long, but it gives a, he packs in a lot of details in these two. Lucia is not going to be beatified, but you know why? She's still living. Lucia is going to, Jacinta is going to die. She's only nine years old. Francisco, I think, was ten, maybe ten or eleven. Lucia lived, don't forget, they're living in the beginning of the 20th century. Know the year of the death of Lucia? She's going to die about two months before John Paul II. 2005. So she's going to be either 98 or 99, almost 100 years old. She's going to be living as a Carmelite, a Carmelite contemplative nun in Coimbra. Contemplative nun meaning that she's, she can't leave the convent unless the bishop or the Holy Father allows her to leave. You'll see her with John Paul II because John Paul II gave her permission to leave the convent. Okay, Jacinta. Okay, John Paul II called Jacinta, write it in, a victim soul, a little victim soul. Have you ever heard that language, a victim soul? 
I guess you haven't. Well, we're learning some new um, new spirituality. Okay, victim soul. Have you ever heard of Padre Pio, any of you? Padre Pio, the stigmatic? Okay, so Jacinta was a little victim soul. What did Padre Pio do? He had the he had the wounds of Christ for how long, Rick? Fifty years. Okay. Nineteen eighteen when he got it. Nineteen sixty eight when he died. He had the wounds of Christ. On one occasion, someone asked him, "Do they hurt?" He said, "It's not a Christmas decoration, pal." <laughs> Of course it hurts. Of course it hurts. It would bleed when? Every Friday? And the whole time of Lent. So Lent, is, it was bleeding continually. And every Friday, those wounds of Padre Pio. Why did, why did Padre Pio accept those wounds of Christ? I'll tell you. Imitation of Christ. Second, to repair for sins. Third, to console Christ in in his passion. And fourth, for the conversion of sinners. That's the reason why. Yes, it was somewhat hidden. He had gloves on, but uh, he couldn't always hide it. And a lot of people thought that he was just putting it on, but it was proved authentically to be realistic. Who was the first stigmata? Stigmatic. Gabriel, Juan, St. Francis. That was St. Francis. Padre Pio was a Franciscan, right? So St. Francis... In the 1200s, he had it. Padre Pio had it. Some of you have heard of Saint Rita, Santa Rita. She had a a thorn in her brow. Okay. So there's there's partial stigmatis, and then there's the full blown. So Jacinta willingly, willingly accepted to suffer, to suffer, to save souls. I, I, I read her life, I start to pray to her, and I almost have to fall to my knees because I feel how holy this little girl is and how far I am from it. With all my studies and all my degrees and all that... <laughs> I mean, I have a little bit more head knowledge in her, but what holiness this girl has. I, I just love this Jacinta. Of the three, it's the one that I've always admired most. What a spirit of love. She suffered so much because she loved God and she wanted to save souls. Okay, then, Francisco. 
Francisco, John Paul II, John Paul II in the Beatification specified a difference between the two. Now, temperament, uh, with respect to temperament, if you study psychology, they, they divide people into two different classes, basically. You've got the extrovert and you have the introvert. Okay? Jacinta was an extrovert. She was very joyful. She liked to dance. She was expansive. She liked to play games. She liked to win. She was a fierce competitor. Uh, she pouted if she didn't win. She was a pure extrovert. Whereas Francisco is the exact opposite. And they're brother and sister. They're about a year and a half apart. Francisco was the exact opposite. He would play with his sister and Lucia. And if he lost, he'd say, who cares? Whereas Jacinta would fight to win. And if she, she, she lost, she'd be pouting, pouting about it. Was Francisco has a unique gift that, aside from aside from Saint Dominic Savio, maybe Maria Goretti, I've never come across anyone like it. He loved to be alone in front of the Blessed Sacrament. He's only eight years old, nine years old. Why? Because he wanted to console the hidden Jesus. Try to make the application. Okay, you're, 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 you're all by yourself, you're alone, you're feeling loneliness. Right? Wouldn't you want someone to come and visit you to try to pick you up? Hello? Is Jesus in the tabernacle? Okay, this one, no, but he's in the, in the tabernacle in the other church, right? Is he sometimes alone? Do you think sometimes he experiences loneliness? Hello? And here in this church, people are pouring in. We have other churches where he's alone the whole day. And no one comes to visit him. Jesus has feelings, too. So Francisco, Francisco, he never learned how to read and write. He never, someone asked, what do you want to be when you're old? He says, nothing. I want to die and go to heaven. That was his response. The nine-year-old kid saying that? What? What did faith? Called holy indifference, right? He didn't want to live. He said, what am I going to be when I'm older? Nothing. I'm going to die. I'm going to go to heaven. The lady told me. No. He wasn't attached to life. He was attached to God. And attached to Mary. So he would, he would like to spend long hours, long hours there in front of the Blessed Sacrament talking to Jesus and telling you how much he loved Jesus and how he wanted to, to help him to cope with his loneliness. You know? I can just see how happy Jesus was that this little innocent boy would spend long hours con- consoling Jesus Christ. You should do that every day. You should make a holy hour every day to comfort, console the hidden Jesus. Okay? Do the exercises.
Platform? Say Padre. Yeah. Well, that's what I, I, I've been promoting here for more than a, a quarter of a century in this parish. No? I have. Come and visit the Lord. How many churches open up the door at 4.45 and close the doors at 8.30, 9 o'clock? We're about the only one in L.A. And you're spoiled. Chiquiado, right? <laughs> Chiquiado, you're spoiled. What a blessing. you got the doors of the church open. You could come and visit the Lord. I think, I think one of the first poems I learned when I was about five or six was, my mom taught, taught me this poem. It's a, it's a short couplet. Short couplet. Whenever I see a church, I stop to make a visit. So that when I die, the Lord will not say, who is it? Amen. Huh? <laughs> like that? Whenever I see a church, I stop to make a visit. So when I die, the Lord will not say, who is it? Who is it? So he'd like to spend long hours there consoling and talking to Jesus. If you're struggling with your contemplative life, why not pray to Francisco? Good idea, Mary? If you're struggling with your prayer life, why not ask this little boy to help me Help me to have this deep union with the Eucharistic Lord. For that reason, John Paul II called, called Jacinta a little victim soul, but called Francisco a little mystic. Hear that, Claudia? A little mystic. What's a mystic? Someone who's in union with God. Someone who's in union with God. What about Lucia? Okay, the mission of Lucia, she's going to live almost until she's 100 years of age. One of her primary missions was to promote devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Amen? To promote devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And Our Lady said to these children that in the end, in the end, her immaculate heart will triumph. Doesn't that encourage you? Of all the approved private apparitions, that's one of the most consoling truths in the midst of so much turmoil today. And I call it turmoil, and I'm not using, I'm using the right word. <laughs> Turmoil and confusion. We're living in a world with a lot of turmoil and confusion and a lot of problems. But she said, in the end, my immaculate heart will triumph. In the time of Noah, remember remember the story of Noah? Who was saved? Those inside the ark or outside the ark? Hello? And the ark is symbolic of the church. 
Do you think the ark after 40 days smelled like Chanel number no. 5? <laughs> Stunk high heaven, right? Can you imagine that with all those animals going to the bathroom there? Without ventilation, no? None of that scent that you can buy in the stores, huh? But were they saved? They were. The church can sometimes admit a bad smell, huh? Stay in the church. Stay in the church. So the, the Ark of Noah is symbolic of the church. But we should find refuge, refuge in two places. Are you listening? The Immaculate Heart of Mary and the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Amen? Find refuge in the Immaculate Heart of Mary and the Sacred Heart of Jesus. That's our, 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 our haven, our oasis, our refuge. All right. Have any of you ever heard of Dante? Okay, right now, my name is Virgil and you're Dante. We're going to visit hell for a short time, okay? Are ready to visit hell? We're going to get out. But I like. I, I want to go with you to hell, at least for a few minutes. Buckle your seatbelt, okay? Ready, Claudia? Okay. So here's the first of the messages of a lady. This is all related to chastity and purity, at least indirectly. In March 19, you're your young ones, as well as ourselves, are going to consecrate ourselves to St. Joseph, right? They're going to get their rings, and we'll at least have an invisible ring, okay? Okay, July 13th. The apparition of Our Lady to the three children, Lucia, Francisco, and Jacinto. The shocking and frightful apparition manifested the reality of hell. Modern liberal catechesis would say you shouldn't talk to children about hell. You're going to scare them. They'll flip out. You even have you even have modern Catholics that deny the reality of hell. You ever meet one of them? You meet them. One of the biggest one of the biggest dangers it's a, it's a, it's a euphemism, utilizing language for your own advantage. Maybe you heard this. I don't believe that a merciful God would send anyone to hell. Ever hear ever hear that one? I don't believe a merciful God would send anyone to hell. No. Because God is mercy, He's love, His kindness, His compassion. Now that's a dangerous phrase because theologically that's correct. In the sense that God doesn't send anyone to hell, we choose it. So it's, it's called an ambiguous statement. 
And ambiguous means that you can interpret it in many ways. And I'm sure I've heard that many times. Maybe you have heard it less, but now if you've heard it now, you're going to hear it sooner or later. I don't see how a good, merciful God could send anyone to hell. That's not the way God is. No. So what's going to happen now? A lady appears to these three little children and she can open up her hands and then below she, she's going to show these three little children a graphic vision of hell. So our lady, purpo- our lady purposely wanted them to see it and she wants us to see it too. Yeah. Now, if if she were not there, if she were not there, the children would have died of fear. They, they admitted it. So when they're seeing this, Mary's standing right next to them as they're looking down into this horrific, Dante-esque vision of hell. So let's go down and let's look at it. And think about this. You could go to hell, you could go to hell, you could go to hell, you too, and so can I. We can all go to hell. We can all go to hell. And if we go there, it's our fault. I don't think any of you are Protestants. I I don't think you are. Once saved, always saved. That's a lot of baloney. Protestants say that. Once you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you're saved. They believe that. Only if it was so easy. You know, you seem the, the, the altar call. You receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. Here I am. You're saved now. You got it made in the shade. You got it made in the shade, pal, because you received Jesus as your personal Savior. We don't believe that. You work out your salvation in fear and trembling every day, right? Work out your salvation in fear and trembling. You haven't made it. Then you cross the finish line until the last out, as we say in baseball language, huh? They believe once saved, always saved. That's a sin of presumption against the virtue of hope. What is the grace of all graces, Meche? As St. Alphonsus said, the grace of all graces is to die in the state of grace. Boy, I pray for that every day. The grace of all graces, the grace of all grace is to die in the state of grace. That's why we say, Holy Mary, Mother of God, Pray for our sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. That you just prayed a few minutes ago. That's why we pray the Hail Mary. That Mary will be there when we're dying to help us to get to heaven. Until the end, we could jump ship. We could jump ship until the end. So let's uh, let's go with Our Lady and the children. It's it's not long, but it's very salutary now and then to think about the reality of hell. A lady purposely desired the children, as well as us, to reflect seriously on the reality of hell. The blazing fire. Do you ever contemplate a fire? Oh, I have many times. A blazing fire.
The tormented and tortured souls. How are they tormented and tortured? In various ways. The fire. Do you ever get burnt? They've all gotten burnt. Okay, imagine. Okay, imagine being burnt, but in your whole being, and not just for a minute, and you need to call nine one one, but forever and ever and ever, and it's never going to stop. And then they're tortured by these devils, these hideous animals that are torturing them. The good idea, this is probably the first time some, some of you have ever heard a talk on hell, but hell is part of the deposit of faith. Hell exists. Father John Lyons, you remember Father John Lyons? He was with us. He gave the best argument. He gave the best argument for the existence of hell. He said this, if hell, okay, if Jesus died on the cross, on Good Friday, why did he do do that? To prevent us from the fires of hell. That's the best argument. If everyone is going to heaven, why would Jesus have to suffer so much on Calvary? I read a lot. I don't, I've never heard a better argument than that. What do you think? Good argument, huh? Everyone's going. To, everyone's going to heaven. Why would, why would Jesus suffer so much on Calvary Good Friday to prevent us from the reality of going to hell? To bar the gates of hell so we can make it to heaven. And I, I hope that you talk to your, 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 your children about God's love, God's mercy, His tenderness, the Good Shepherd. But for the love of God, talk to your children. At least talk to your children about hell too. Do it calmly. But talk to them about hell. Have any of you ever heard of Patrick Madrid? Any of you? Have you? Yes. More than once I heard him in one of his programs. Uh, he was brought up and raised in Southern California near Juan Capistrano, that, that area in Southern California. And not too far from us. And he said that uh, as, as a Christmas gift, he gave to every one of his siblings a wrapped up gift. And it was a book on hell by Father Shoup. If you like, I've got a few of them in my confessional. I can give that as a Christmas gift to you. <laughs> I got a lot of them there, Spanish and English. And he gave it to all of his siblings as a Christmas gift. Can you imagine his sibling opening up, Merry Christmas, your brother Patrick, and he opened the book on hell. But he did it specifically, one of his sisters, one of his sisters was far away from God. So it basically he was directing it at that sister. And he said that when she opened it up, he knew that he was she was directing he was directing at her, and she got very angry, very angry. You know what happened though? She read it and was converted. And afterward, thanked him. 
that that gift was given. So if some of you have older children, so some of you maybe have older children that have maybe walked away from the church. Or maybe a brother or sister. Maybe if, you know, your brother Diego, I don't know, I haven't seen him in a while. Probably got, you know, so they've walked away from the church, they've received all this formation, you know, and there they are, they're not, they're not practicing the faith. Hey, give them that. You know. It's a gift from Father Broom. You know. Remember, he used to be an altar boy, you know, he was even in my class, what, 15 years ago, no? Father Broom wants to send you a nice birthday gift. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't see how anyone, you have to use your mind now, how anyone could possibly read through that and even read this short excerpt and stay in mortal sin. Even this short excerpt would motivate anyone who's using his naga in his head, but I, I got to get out of mortal sin. I got to get my my life right with God. I don't want to die and I don't want to go there. But you have to stop and you got to meditate. That's why in my spiritual exercise, I've got a one week, one week is, the, is, is the last thing. Death, judgment, heaven, hell, and purgatory. Spent a whole week on that. A whole week. I mean, it's, uh, I, I've been preaching this for, you know, decades now. And I never get tired because I know if it's done well, it's very efficacious. If it's done well, very efficacious. Many people, many people are not open enough to really love God. They haven't arrived at loving God. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom that can motivate people that one day maybe they will love God. But if you have fear of the Lord, that's enough to get you into purgatory. Maybe for a hundred years, no? But if you're in purgatory, you're going to get out. <laughs> in hell, you're never going to get out. <laughs> no, even if you're in purgatory for 500 years, and it's not a joke being in purgatory, but you're going to get out eventually. Okay, so, so it says, the, the blazing fire that torment and torture souls, the loud cries of utter despair... And the ugly animals transpiercing the damned souls caused the children to almost faint. Later on, they admitted that if it were not for the presence of a Lady Fatima with them during their vision, they might have died of fear. Despite the terror that this vision caused due to the vision these children underwent, a radical change of life. Their passion for God, their desire for a lady had no limits. Their prayers were fervent and constant. The thought of hell motivated them to never flag or weary of praying not only the rosary, but many rosaries. Now, lady stated that most souls go to hell because of the sins committed against the sixth and ninth commandments. The many sins that are committed 
against the virtue of purity. The children will not only pray to prevent souls from cascading into the fiery pit of hell, but they also offered many sacrifices to bar the gates of hell for so many souls. So if we want to go to heaven, if we want to bring our children to heaven, then we have to love God. We have to love God by obeying His commandments. And two of the commandments that we've already mentioned several times, two of the commandments are related to this virtue of chastity. This is where the devil has his biggest triumph in this area. So we want to we want to help we want to help ourselves as well as our children to recognize probably until the end of their lives and our lives this is the battleground. Okay? So this is about the fourth talk I've given on this topic and I'm going to be giving you a couple more talks on this so when March 19th arrives we're ready with our children to receive that ring and recognize the battle is not over, the battle is just beginning. But we recognize what the battle is and I'm going to be giving, I'll be giving you a talk on what are the, the tools, the instruments that we have to utilize to obtain this virtue. I'm not going to be overly simplistic, but I'll say this. The essence of conquering pride, gluttony, envy, anger, impurity, all the vices, the essence is that we have to fall in love with God. Amen? That's the essence of it. We have to fall in love with God and bring your teenagers, and it's a, it's a, it's a huge struggle. We have to bring them to a point where your children, your teenagers, they can really say, I love God. Once they say they love God and they're going to try to love God, God is stronger than our weakness. Amen? Well, we're pointing out we're pointing out our enemy. Pointing out a battle now. But when all is said and done, if we can live out the first and greatest of commandments, which is, as Jesus says, to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, then all the virtues we can practice them. So let's pray for young people that they would recognize that this is their battle, but use the means to attain it. Amen? Amen. Hail Mary full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The Lord be with you. And may God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So make sure you bring back that sheet and we'll We'll, uh, we'll follow up next week. We've got about halfway done. Yeah.